Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Well, hello there, and you join us here today to talk about something that's been happening for the last year. That's right, Rolex prices. What on earth is going on? Tom, I know you're a big investor. You've got pots of cash in all kinds of different businesses. Um, but Rolex, I don't think, is one that you've followed quite so closely. No, I can't keep up with it. You know, I'm always on the lookout for the next Swiss luxury purchase, but I don't know whether it's a good time to buy a Rolex or not. Well, why don't we bring someone in who knows a little bit about buying and selling watches? Mr. Roman Scharf. Hello, how are you doing? Hey, gentlemen, how are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Um, we especially wanted to talk to you, really, because you have got your finger on the pulse. I referred to you to Tom before this recording as the canary down the mine. You are there. Your your nose is pressed up against that coal face. You know what's going on as and when it happens. And we really wanted to see what your whole take on the last year has been like. So why don't we get right into it? What on earth happened? Well, I will tell you this. I'll start off with the fact that it was probably the most exciting and fun year that we had. I've seen a market at its all-time high, and all-time high, let's say, in at least the last 20 years that I've been doing this. And I've also seen this market at the most turbulent in the last 20 years that I have been doing this. Uh, initially, I was trying to compare this to the crash of the 2008, and I realized that it nowhere even remotely comes close to that. Uh, because the price levels that we've seen, the hysteria in the market that we have seen of people trying to pick up these expensive toys, as I like to refer to them, and then in turn flipping it over to what they call investments, passion assets. We heard things like a watch index. We've seen publications from the likes of Bloomberg and JP Morgan, along with other major publications like Wall Street Journal, talking about a watch index, talking about investing into watches, talking about that index beating out the S&P 500. I heard all those things, and quite frankly, it scared me a bit because in the last 20 years, I was the guy that would tell every single one of my clients that a watch is not an investment, it's an expensive toy, and you should buy it accordingly. Yet, I found myself at the verge of basically having to take some of those words back because I'm realizing that these things have become uh, an investment tool, they have become true assets, and they have created, inadvertently, an index. And that's why the year, last year, was so interesting because we saw the rise, but we also saw a fall. But it wasn't really a fall, it was a correction. It was a correction among X amount of models across the entire watch market, where 
in the eyes of the people, it seems like, oh my God, the watch market just took an entire dip. But did it really, considering that those pieces that took a dip were the pieces that were outrageously trading already. And those pieces only really made up less than probably 3% of the entire watch market, but yet it's the visibility. It's guys like me and you, Andrew, that make the hot stuff so visible that it makes, makes it seem as if the entire watch world has now crashed into dust which it actually did not. <laughs> well, I admire right from the outset there a very positive attitude. Do you think you can pinpoint the uh, the enormous spike that we saw and then the, the downturn in the other direction to any one specific thing? Or is it just a culmination of stuff that's happened? I'll give you the timeline, all right? So COVID hits. When COVID hits, uh, immediately we got uh, the whiff of the crash of 2008 because what happened there is the wheel stopped. And by the wheel stop, Let's be real, anything that happens to the market at first happens on a secondary, gray market, secondary market. Uh, and I don't mean that as in pre-owned goods versus brand new goods. I mean that strictly as the secondary market, i.e. your gray market dealers that are trading watches A amongst themselves and also to the retail clients. And in 2008, when the crash happened, that wheel stopped for three months. And that was the scariest thing ever. We saw the same thing happen when COVID hit. And what was it? It was the great unknown. What is, what is going to happen? Everybody took a pause. And that pause didn't last as long as it did back in 2008. And then right past that pause, we saw an immediate demand. And that immediate demand really came from what? A tremendous amount of money that poured into the market. Literally, the United States printed, uh, what is it? I think the statistic was that we printed 40% more money than ever has been printed in this entire history of the US dollar. Other countries follow suit. Lots of money went into the market. What happens to that money? It gets spent especially it gets spent online because now everybody's sitting at home and now people have this excessive income and they're saying well what do i do with it well a watch sounds like a good idea a rolex sounds like a great idea they tend to hold pricing and the frenzy started but the frenzy started again on the secondary it was the b2b business i saw immediately following that initial jump when people woke up and said oh my god there's all this money let's buy stuff and it wasn't just across the watch industry it happened to the car industry it happened to the real estate industry the art world nft world crypto everything everybody and their mother became an investor into something as soon as that big chunk of money came through you also have to consider the fact that post corona being announced and post that little pause you, I, I tell these people all the time, you'd have to be an absolute idiot if you were in some sort of a business during that time, that six to nine months post-corona, year post-corona, not to be uber successful, not to have the best year yet. Anybody I spoke with across any industry <laughs> were having a wonderful year, they were all making money. Yeah, and what happens yeah. when you make money, you tend to want to spend that money. And the luxury goods sector is the one that's going to benefit the most from it. So fast forward six months, nine months, a year. What happens then? A tremendous amount of people enter the market, specifically the private sector. I saw this happen in 2007. The minute a product out there starts to trade over its MSRP, be it a car, be it a watch, uh, be it whatever it may be, all of a sudden you have a private sector that has access to those goods, decides that, hey, I can actually benefit from this financially and start to treat it as a investment tool, start to treat it as an asset which they can trade and make money on. Now you're a private client that's been buying paddocks, APs, Richard Meals, uh, among other things on Rolex, obviously. You're now taking advantage by saying, oh, I'm going to go to my dealer and I'm going to buy all these pieces, but then I'm going to resell them. Who are they reselling them to? 
guys like us. What are we doing? We're selling it amongst each other and then onto the retail prices. That's why you saw such a tremendous spike in pricing. People say it's the gray market falls. Agreed. It is the gray market falls, but not entirely. It is also the fault of those private clients that got into the sector and essentially became dealers or flippers, as we like to refer to them. It is the first point of contact that drives the price. Are there ADs to blame for this? Absolutely. If I'm a Rolex AD, and mind you, let me paint a quick picture for you prior to Corona. Prior to Corona, every single AD is suffering. They're being squeezed by the manufacturer because they're opening up boutiques left and right and cutting dealers left and right because they're realizing they don't want to leave that 40, 50% on the table anymore. They don't need to. And then on the other hand, they're being squeezed by guys like their gray market dealers that are buying this product pre-owned, selling it at a discount, therefore beating their price where they're not allowed to discount. And here comes the Messiah. Coronavirus hits, the market goes through the roof, and I'm a Rolex dealer who's been stuffed with 28 millimeter ladies Rolexes, heavy duty platinum pieces that I could never sell. All these things that have been sitting in my safe forever, and all of a sudden I have an opportunity to take a Batman. And at the time, the cost on a Batman from an authorized dealer in the United States was $5,827.50. And he can sell it to a guy like me for 15,000. Mm. All of a sudden we have, what do we call it? We called it the wait list. Did that really exist? Absolutely not. And the reason it didn't exist is because if I'm an authorized dealer and uh, I've been suffering for years now, not making the type of money that I can make, and now I have an opportunity to make 300% markup on an item to sell it to a guy like Roman, am I really gonna give it to that one dedicated customer who's been waiting for something for quite a while because he buys a watch for me once every five years when I can sell 20 pieces to Roman instantly and get a check and make 300% markup? So this is all the reasons why you saw this market go through the roof. And then the minute these numbers start going up, that's when the boys over at JP Morgan and Wall Street Journal and Bloomberg start writing these fancy articles. Oh my God, look what's happening to the watch index. Having zero idea of why it actually happened. All they're seeing are numbers. I ran the numbers internally. I pulled data from the last six years, my own data. Now, that data spanned across roughly about 600 million in sales. And I pulled out those key models, certain Royal Oaks, Rolexes, Richard Meals, et cetera, et cetera. And yet, indeed, we saw that that index, quote unquote, beat out S&P, beat out any other index out there. But is it a true index? And that is really the question here. Well, the counter question here is, did you see this coming? Did you, did you see it on the horizon and think, I need to react? Absolutely. And... Like everyone else, I have to be honest, like everyone else, when Corona first hit, we panicked. We dumped off some inventory at losses, at uh, zero profit and things of that nature, because we were preparing for 2008. And we've been there before. And the number one thing that was missing in this company in 2008, in preparation for the financial crisis, and it was an actual crisis where this wasn't or isn't, um, money. I went back numerous times and said, I wish I was cash ready in 2008 to take advantage of the market. So that market really, it bounced back within nine months, stronger than ever at prices higher than pre the financial crisis, right? Because people that recognize value in the market, the big guys, diamond dealers, big watch dealers, they bought all that stuff up at pennies post the crisis. They sat on it and then sold it later and held the price because the value of the product was there, right? So we took the page out of that book because we were financially prepared to do that when the coronavirus hit. We said, you know what, we're gonna sell off merchandise, we're gonna hold and wait. 
and we're going to then come back stronger than ever, buy up all this inventory and make tremendous margins. Well, guess what? That happened so quick that we didn't even have a chance to accumulate any type of funds and really take advantage of that spike. We did subsequently take advantage of the rising market as we were going along in the last two years. Uh, but then I'm gonna bring you forward to May of last year. Again, to reiterate what I said earlier, the market starts with the secondary. It doesn't start with the primary. There's at least a three months gap between the wholesale market recognizing that A, something is happening versus the retail market. Back in May, Adrian, who's our head buyer, runs into my office. He says, we're doing a buying freeze. And mind you, we buy anywhere from one to $3 million worth of merchandise on a weekly basis, right? We're doing a buying freeze. What's going on is like the prices have gotten ridiculous. We've been selling more wholesale versus retail because the prices are so ridiculous. A, I don't want to put my client into a platinum Daytona for $225,000 because I don't think it's worth it. Therefore, I'm going to sell it to a dealer, mm -hmm. right? Our B2B surpassed our B2C sales and we said, okay, this is a sign. Sell everything at whatever margin, loss, doesn't matter, cash out. I want to be cash ready by September. Fast forward to September, of course, by doing a buying freeze, we accumulated cash by selling off these items. And we had a record summer. Uh, we had a summer of sales that we have never seen before. And this is when the market on the secondary is already down. People are already panicking. People are already selling stuff off. Come September, we had the worst September ever. We had the worst November ever. And Christmas was not much to write home about. So what did we do? We started buying. We were ready to do this back in May. And we're still taking advantage of the market today. And who are we taking advantage of? Sorry to say, we're taking advantage of the flippers. Two people, we call them the flippers, i.e. that was the private sector that got into buying these watches for the sole purpose of reselling them. And two, we're taking advantage of the Corona dealers. These are young people that thought the grass was very green on our side and decided to get into the industry. Mm -hmm. Of course, a lot of them bought up Lamborghinis and fancy houses and so on and so forth and ran up their Amex bill. And now they're trying to figure out how to pay for all of that because they didn't realize that this doesn't last forever, right? And uh, this is where we are today. And I think we're in a good place today. And the reason we're in a good place today is because on a secondary, you had a significant drop off of the so-called Corona dealers, as I call them, that moved on to do something else. Because the entire time, the entire time these Corona dealers were doing business, they didn't realize that they weren't building a business, they were just flipping a product and making a quick buck. What they didn't do is they didn't build up a client base. Mm -hmm. They didn't build up a following. They were selling to each other. And the minute that wheel stopped, they all went out of business because there's no retail client out there where we've been doing the same thing you guys have been doing for years and that's concentrated on our core clientele, building new clientele and building that rather than just selling off to the next guy who's gonna sell it off to the next guy and so on and so forth. Talking about the, the retail customer, what do you think the picture of today looks like for them? How do you think it's going to pan out for the people who really want product and couldn't get it? It's, I told every one of my clients, and I've said it on camera during numerous one of my videos on YouTube, it's a buyer's market for you just as much as it is for me. Meaning that you are now out there able to pick up the product that you actually want for what it is, rather it being an investment, but being the actual watch that you want at a much more reasonable price in comparison to what the market was over the last two, two and a half years. It is a buyer's market. And the number one thing I've told clients is the following. Nine months ago, a year ago, 
you would come to the table where a deal is presented to you over a watch and you have FOMO. You know you have to react, react quickly, maybe even pay more than what you wanted to pay because you know there's nine other guys behind you in line waiting to buy that same product. Today is different. Today I tell my clients, stop, pause, shop around. See what you're actually getting for the money. Are you really buying that watch because you think this watch is going to go up another $5,000 over the next year, which there's a possibility it's going to happen because we are seeing an uptick and we'll talk about that in a second. But now stop, pause and take your time. It, where you're not in the, that rush situation where you feel like, oh my God, I must do this now. Otherwise, I'm going to lose out to the next guy or it's going to go up in value. Something ridiculous because watches were going up in value by the minute over the last you know, year or so. And this is what I tell my clients. And really think about what you are getting. What are you getting for the money that you're spending? Because I'm sorry, as much as I love the Rolex Daytona, not arguably, definitely the number one selling watch of all time. The most popular watch of all time across all watches across the world. I don't see that watch at a $60,000 level, which is where it was. It just got absolutely ridiculous. How much do you think Rolex... And when you think about FOMO, is that something that they're trying to cultivate on their end, do you think? Well, I'm going to give you my opinion and my opinion solely, right? I don't think Rolex gives a shit. And that's the <laughs> bottom line. Let me explain something. You have a company that's so number one, okay? And for those of you that are listening to this, my hand is up at the ceiling. And number two <laughs> is way down here. Now my hand is down on the floor. With Rolex putting out a million plus watches per year, it is not them controlling the stuff. Now, granted, Corona had effect on supply issues, right? So their production numbers were lowered, but that wasn't just with Rolex, that was with everyone. So yeah. everyone was, you know, sort of effective, you know, the, the buzzword was supply chains, supply chains. Everybody talked about that. It's true. A lot of companies were affected by supply chains. It depended on whatever rules or regulations were in place in regards to the coronavirus. But that was a very short-term thing mm. because... The company is there to do what the company is there to do. If they're able to produce a million of anything, any company, a million of anything, and it's guaranteed sold at a margin, you think they really care about controlling this market, holding goods back and adding fuel to the fire? No. Yeah. You have no idea how many Rolex ADs I've walked into that have the display models only, mm -hmm. that have you know a 15,000-year wait on a, a Batman. And then I go into the back room and they open their safe and I see 10 Daytonas, 20 Submariners, 20 ZMTs, and so on and so forth. So is it really Rolex doing it or is it the ADs? And mind you, I said this before, I don't blame the ADs because the ADs were suffering for years prior to this. So now is their time to take advantage of that. That's why they were stockpiling the stuff because the prices kept going up. For someone like me, right, it has to make sense. You know, we hold about a $30 million inventory. We have to turn that inventory. You know, in fact, we turn mm -hmm. it five times a year. A Rolex AD is not under the same pressure as I am because our margins are not their margins. If just by selling retail, they're making a 37% margin. And then by selling on a secondary, they're making a 300% markup. Are they really in a rush to sell off 20 Batmans on their cost being a hundred grand for all of them, where a guy like me at the time things were hot, my cost is 20 grand a piece. It's four times the cost. So they were never under that pressure. So they were stockpiling the stuff. And just to reiterate, believe me when I tell you, Rolex could care less. Rolex's job is to put out a million pieces a year. They know they're all sold. And I think they're more concentrating on internal company things like everyone is. That's keeping down their costs, cost of production, cost of labor and things of that nature. Mm. Anything that happened last year that caught you by surprise? Any any brands that did the opposite of what you expected? 
I was pleasantly surprised, and it's no secret, I'm a big fan of independence. And the reason I'm a big fan of independence is because they bring watchmaking to the forefront. They bring horology to the forefront. They bring innovation to the forefront. And I can't go, uh, I can't do a podcast without matching a guy named Max Buser. You know, to me, he's the modern day <laughs> Gerald Genta. I'm a big fan of Max uh, as a person, as a watch designer, and his company in general, because you know, he's been suffering for many, many years. And the big surprise that finally, finally the watch public has started to take to independence. I've been myself pushing independence for a long, long time. Again, for the very reasons I just mentioned. And the big surprise was, is that finally the watch public has started seeing value in some of these independent watchmakers. I've seen some independents selling for way over lists, right? Some of them due to a cult following, some of them due to the fact that they really make a hell of a product. And that was one of my very big pleasant surprises that I've seen hypes in the market in the past, not as big as, you know, 2007, not as big as, let's say, what happened in the last two years. But, you know, the market's got to be going up and down and there's moments of hype in the market. Never during those hype moments did you say, oh, my God, did you see that Erberg or did you see that new MBNF? And it's, now all of a sudden it's selling over list. That actually finally happened, and I think it's well-deserved, and that was a big, pleasant surprise to me. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more there. And to wrap up there, really, because this has been absolutely fascinating, get your crystal ball out, Roman. What is going to happen over the next six months to a year? I'll tell you what's happening right now immediately, because again, this is not this is not a weekly, monthly, or yearly thing. This is a hourly thing in our yeah, industry, because right? yeah. we buy and sell every single day. Uh, one of my guys, Alex, puts out posts on his Instagram account and says, there's an uptick in the market. I ran out and then every single one of my salespeople, and we have 10 of them, you know, started reposting that on their Instagram. And I, <laughs> I, I came out screaming as to the pit and I'm like, guys, what are you doing? If you're going to post or make a statement like that, what do you have to back it up? And Alex, Alex is actually one of my, we have two teams within our sales department. He's one of the team leaders. He's like, well, Roman, here's what I'm seeing. Now we do carry a large inventory and we sell out of our inventory, but it's no secret. Our business model is also heavily dependent on sourcing pieces because you can't have everything in stock. He goes, Roman, the pieces that I've been sourcing and selling two weeks ago, I'm getting quoted on a secondary, the same price for a watch that I need to sort, which is the same price I was selling it for two to three weeks ago. And it's been consistent over the last three days. Now I went out on the limb I'm a, I'm a big optimist. My glass is always half full. Uh, Adrian is a bit more of a realist, my head buyer, and he's got two kids that work for him as well. And yeah. I said, watch, the first quarter of this year, you're going to see a nice uptick in the watch market. Not to the tune of all the price levels we saw, let's say, nine months ago, but you're going to see an uptick because there's real value in the market. And because of all the talk and comparison of indexes and assets and so on and so forth, you're going to see that uptick. And we're seeing that uptick as we speak. And that uptick really, again, comes back from the secondary. The difference this time, when you have an uptick after you know a market that seemingly has gone down, the retail public catches on to that much faster. Mm -hmm. The retail public doesn't catch on to when the market is going down. That takes some time, usually two to three months. But during an uptick, the retail public catches up much, much faster as they've seen these prices go up. And that causes sometimes a bit of a frenzy. Because now remember, you have an entire watch community out there that's not just there for the love of horology, but is also convinced that this is a true index, this is a true investment asset class, et cetera, label or whatever you want. And there's gonna be a lot of guys that are gonna jump back in. I've had institutional money approach me for hedge funds, for watches and things of that nature. 
Did that ever happen 10, 15 years ago? No, it was always an art thing, right? Or a car thing at best. Now it's all about watches. Mm -hmm. So the uptick that we're seeing now, you're gonna have a share of those coronavirus dealers that kind of were dead in the water jump back in because they're gonna see movement. You're gonna see the retail public catch on much faster and saying, wait a minute, I really did want that watch. Nobody can ever catch the bottom. This is what I tell my clients. Don't wait for that very bottom. You will never catch it. I will never catch it. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing this 20 years. If this is a real, there's a product there that you really, really want for whatever reasons, be it investment, be it passion or what have you, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of there in September, November. Jump in now. Whether it goes up and down 10, 20% is irrelevant because in reality, let's think about it. A normal watch market, as me and you know it over the last 20 years, is exactly a graph that looks like it's going up slowly with a few ups and downs in between. And those ups and downs are within that 10, 20% price range. So there's a product out there that you want. My suggestion is you get it now. If it goes down 10% or up 10%, it should be irrelevant. But don't be surprised if we see a bit of a mini frenzy over the next quarter or the next two quarters because people remember nine months ago very, very clearly and what has happened. <laughs> you know, people remember taking a watch for buying a watch for $9,000 and making 15000 on it. Well, there you go. That is absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about uh, watches and the market. If you love this sort of stuff, Roman is talking about it a lot. We've had to cut this video back from at least seven hours to the, uh, <laughs> the length that you're seeing now. So if you want to see more of that really, really great insight, go over to his channel, uh, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all of those things. You'll see links in the description below. Thank you so much, Roman, for joining us. It's been really, really interesting. I have to say before we leave, Andrew, you are an idol to all of us on YouTube. You're you're the talking hands, you're the OG. We all look up to you and you know, you've all you actually motivated every single one of us, and I'm sure I speak for other YouTubers out there, to do what we do, to turn on that camera and to bring the world of watches to the public. So thank you. Oh wow, thank thank you so much. Um I, I don't quite know what to make of that. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> Um, and dear viewer and listener, if you've got any questions for Roman, pop them down in the comments below and uh, we'll have him on again and ask him those questions. Thank you so much and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.